Today is the day that the Lord has made. So let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen and amen. So I'll be honest with you right now. Uh, I feel kind of bad for how I'm going to start this morning. I'm going I'm to start pretty heavy this morning. I know that despite that it's all rainy, uh, you know, we, we, we want to like, get into the launch of summer. School's out. Pastor, just give us a fun message today. Uh, I'm going to give you the message the Bible has, and you can decide if it's fun or not. But I want to start a little heavier this morning. Like this. Did you know that worldwide, every second that passes, two people die? One 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, four 1,000, five 1,000. In the time it took me to say that, 10 people across the planet just died. 10 people crossed from, the, crossed from this life to the next. 10 families are now grieving because of loss. 10 people are now standing before their creator and their judge. And here's what you need to be thinking about right now. At some second in the future, you will pass from this life to the next. I'm not a prophet. I don't know what your life is going to be like, but I can tell you this. There is a second in the future that will come to pass, and you will die. See, I think a lot of people in our day and age, they, they want to live their lives in, in, in hope of what might happen, but not many people are living their lives in the reality of what is going to happen. What is going to happen is that you are going to die. So here's my question for you. Are you preparing for what's to come? For what is surely to come? Are you prepared for what's to come? See, the Apostle Paul, he started this church in Thessalonica. It's a city in Greece. He started this church, and then, he, and then after he left, he wrote back a couple letters. And, and the second letter that he wrote to them, he's letting them know. He's giving them a series of prophecies of what's going to happen as we approach the end of all things as we approach the return of Christ, and he's, he's trying to get them to prepare for what's to come. And so for the first part of the summer, we're going to be looking at this book, 2 Thessalonians. I encourage you to turn there now. Throughout this sermon series, we're going to be looking at a, at a number of the things that Paul, the Apostle Paul, says are going to come. He says that idleness is coming. He says that rebellion is coming, that glory is coming, peace is coming. But as we are going to look at today, he also gives them a very sober warning that justice is coming. So would you please, if you haven't yet, turn to your Bibles, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, as we read this letter that Paul wrote, and the Holy Spirit still speaks to us now through. So would you hear the word of the Lord? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, hear these words. Let me get to the right one. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, those are the authors. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers. Hold up real quick. Don't get hung up on that. The word there in the original language meant brothers and sisters. We ought to always give thanks to you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, 
and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are, afflicting, uh, who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, that you may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that at the name of the Lord Jesus, so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus. This is God's word. Let's pray, and we'll continue. Let's pray. Father in heaven above, Lord, I confess to you now, Lord, that I feel the weight of this passage. Lord, it's a thick and rich passage. It's hard to read, let alone think about these things happening. So, Father, we ask this morning as we prepare for the justice that is coming, Lord, as we think about this day, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit now, giving us the ears to hear, the mind to know, the heart to receive, Lord, and the will to act upon your word for us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And everyone said, amen and amen. So you know that phrase that we say to people when we, when we want to comfort them, when, when they're dealing with anxiety and we want to ease their burdens. I know we just came to the end of school, but maybe we say this to kids on their first day of school. When, we, when we're trying to ease people who are worrying, we typically say something like this. It's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. In fact, we've turned all right into one word, all right. We say it all the time. Because that is what we long for. We long for things to be all right, to be good. We long for things to be as they should be, right. And you know this idea of, of things being made right, of things being right, that word, that phrase, that idea is tied to justice. Justice is setting right what has been, what has gone wrong. Justice is what our culture cries for right now. We cry for justice, justice for Floyd. We have, we have social justice warriors in our day and age. When tragedy happens, we declare and we demand what? Justice. Justice is what the world longs for. And let me tell you right now, it is good and natural and right to want justice. Justice is godly. We have a God of justice. But true justice only comes from God. We can long for a worldly justice where maybe someone goes to prison for what they've done, but true justice only comes from God. Only God can make things truly right. And as we look at this sobering and, and heavy topic this morning, 
Here's what I want you to know. Because justice is coming, we can know that all will be made right. Because we believe in Christ, who is coming back to set things right, we know that things will be all right. That no matter what happens in this world, because justice is coming, because Christ is coming and bringing justice with him, we can know that all will be made right. We are the people who can truly say, it's going to be all right. Doesn't mean it won't be hard, but it's going to be all right. And as we look at our passage, we're going to dissect this in three different ways this morning as we walk through this passage together. And again, if you're new to Peace Church, please have your Bibles open if you can, if you've got it with you. I want you to walk through what we're walking all through together. So here we go. Three things that we're looking at this morning as we see that justice is coming. Justice is coming for the restoration of the righteous. Justice is coming in the destruction of the ungodly. And justice is coming at the culmination of all things. So first thing, justice is coming for the restoration of the righteous. This was was Paul's message to this church. He's commending them, firstly, because he knows that they're growing in their faith. And I hope you noticed here, he commends them because their love for one another is growing. Verse 3, we ought to always give thanks to you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And then look at this next phrase. Don't skip over it. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Church, listen to me. One of the ways that you know that you are growing in faith is not just because is not just that you're you're learning more Bible and you're learning more doctrine. You know that your faith is growing. You are growing in your faith when your love for fellow Christians increases, when your love for the church grows. That's one of the ways that you know your faith is growing. And this is so important because a united church that loves each other is a church that's prepared for persecution. Look at verse 4. It says, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God, for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and inflictions that you are enduring. The Thessalonians were coming under heavy persecution. It's one of the ways, it's one of the reasons they actually sent Paul away. Paul had planted that church, persecution came, the church sent Paul away because they're coming such, under such heavy fire. And Paul writes back and says, you are standing, I'm telling every other church about you guys because you're standing so strong in the face of persecution. And it's because you're growing in your faith and your love for one another. And here's the thing I think we need to remember though. While, yes, a united church that loves each other is a church that's ready for persecution, we don't know what that's like yet. I'm not saying that you haven't taken scrutiny for being a Christian, but I'm saying a wholesale persecution of the American church, we haven't felt that yet. Removing Merry Christmas from Starbucks coffee at Christmas time isn't persecution. If you want to know what persecution is, look at what just happened in Nigeria where a young Christian woman on videotape was stoned to death. There's video that just happened of this young woman running through the streets of Nigeria, being chased by this Muslim mob, throwing stones at her. One finally connects with her, and she falls down, and this mob comes around her and stones her to death because she claimed the name of Christ as her Savior. That just happened right now. There's not a person in here who fears that's going to happen to them this week. But I believe it is coming. The more this world turns away from Christianity and from the values that we hold, when you bear the name of Christ, the world is going to hate you 
for it. When you don't fly, when you don't fly the flags that they want you to fly, they will hate you for it. When you don't say the catchphrase that the world wants you to say, they will hate you for it. But this church was, was standing strong through persecution because they were so united. And while it's true that, I mean, nobody wants to be hated, Paul says that the fact that they are suffering for their faith is proof that God sees them as righteous. This is phenomenal. Go back to verse 5. Paul says, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. Paul is telling them that you are facing persecution because you are trying to rise above and the world wants to pull you back down. You're trying to rise above, but the world's trying to pull you back down. And because you're resisting, because you're not following into the ways of the world, the world's going to hate you for that. Because you don't fly their flags, the world's going to hate you for it. Because you don't say the catchphrases, the world's going to hate you for it. And Paul is saying to this church in Thessalonica, you're standing strong. You're not giving in. And this idea and this knowledge of, of being hated for truly following Jesus and what he stands for, this should be of no surprise to anybody who claims the name of Christ. Jesus Christ himself told us this was going to happen. John 15 Jesus, listen to this marketing strategy, by the way. You want to amass a following? Tell them this. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you claim the name of Christ, then the world hates you for it. Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, you're standing in good company. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. You want to know? You want to know if you're following Christ or not? Does the world love you? Does the world celebrate you? If it does, then you're of the world, and you're not of Christ. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. For those who truly try to follow Christ and to live out the truth that he has given to us, the world is going to hate us for this. Let's just talk about it for a second. We're in the midst of Pride Month. Everywhere we go, rainbow flags. And because we, won't because we don't fly those flags, right, the world's going to hate us for that. Because we don't regurgitate the cultural phrase that love is love, we will be hated for that. Do we hate anyone? Absolutely not. We're called to love our neighbor. But the world has set a standard, and if we don't meet that standard, they will hate us for it. But if we were of the world, they would love us. But we're not of the world. We're of Christ. And there is a time that is coming where persecution will in increase among the American church as the culture can be continues to become more ungodly, which is why we need to stand so united which is why we need to be so together, which is why we need to grow in our faith. Lazy Christians, the train has stopped. Time to get off because we're going to be moving forward. And it, the forward motion is growth and love. And as we move forward, we need to grow in love for one another. If we stand for the things of God, then we can expect opposition from those who are against the things of God. But here's the question. Are we supposed to just sit here and take it? Like, are we supposed to just sit here and be hated by the world for what we believe? 
Well, listen, look what Paul says in verse 6. Go to verse 6. He says, since indeed God considers it just, meaning right, meaning, meaning correct, meaning appropriate, God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When? When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. Paul is telling us that the persecutors of God's people will be punished. They will be brought to justice for what they do. But the persecuted, those who are persecuted, God's righteous ones, they will be justified. They will be restored and brought to glory. Paul is clearly giving end time prophecies here. He's talking about the return of Christ and what we can expect until that happens. We can expect the coming justice will bring restoration for the righteous, but also we can see that justice is coming in the destruction of the ungodly. Before we go to verses 7, 8, 9, I just want to tell you, this is absolutely terrifying. This is absolutely terrifying. Look at verses 7, 8, and 9. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. I said it earlier, like, I, I don't want to ruin your summer. Like, I want to start the summer off right, but here's what you need to understand. When you read this passage, my friends, there are people in your life who will experience this. It scares me to think there's people in this room who will experience this. I hope some of you, and, and you know, and, and I think some of you, I think some of you right now are sitting here and you're, and you're looking at this passage and you're thinking, wait, wait a second, wait, wait, wait a second here. Are you telling me that God will send people to hell just because they don't know him? That doesn't seem very, very fair and very just. And that's where I would say to you and you need to say to others, you need to read what the Bible says, not read into the Bible what you think it says. Read what it says. People don't go to hell because they don't know God. We are already destined to hell because of our sins and the evil in our hearts. It's when we come to Christ, that's when we get to go to heaven. That's when we have salvation. So no, it's not because we don't know God. Because the truth is, is you can know who God is and still go to hell. Demons are case in point. We go to hell because of the sins that we have and the evil that we do. But you want to know something? That's not what's most scary to me in this passage. You want to know what's most terrifying to me in this passage? It's this phrase here. That God's going to inflict vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That is what's most terrifying to me. You know that this passage reflects exactly what Jesus Christ himself says in Matthew 25. Jesus says that he will come back with his angels, and when he does, he's going to separate the world. He will divide them into two. Those who followed God and those who did not follow God. And those who did not follow God, Jesus himself says, will go away to eternal punishment. But those who followed God will go to eternal life. There are people, probably who can hear my voice right now, who know the gospel but do not obey the gospel. And the Bible says that God will inflict his vengeance upon them. Why? 
Because God will always deal with sin. Sin must be dealt with. So here's what I want you to do for a moment. We're going to do a little exercise together. I want you to close your eyes. Everyone do it. Don't be a fuddy-duddy. Everyone do it right now. I want you to close your eyes and do not raise your hand if this is not true. But I want you to raise your hand if you are a Christian. And if you are not going to raise your hand, I just want you to know I'm so thankful that you're here. But I want to talk to the Christians for a moment. So keep your hand up, keep your eyes closed for a moment. I want you to ask yourself, I want you to look at your life and I want you to ask yourself, would God say that you are obeying the gospel? Keep your eyes closed, your hands up if you're a Christian. Would God look at your life and say, you are obeying the gospel? And I say this with all due respect, but don't give me any malarkey about God knows my heart. God definitely knows your heart and he also sees your actions. Would he say that you are obeying the gospel? If your eyes are closed and your hands up, keep them there. You know that your obedience to the gospel, this is not an effort to earn our salvation. We could never do that. This is a response to our salvation. Are you obeying the gospel? Meaning, are you living a new life in Christ where God is first in all you say and do? Because if, if not, if you realize you are not obeying the gospel, it's only a matter of time before you realize how hollow your faith is and the reality that God will bring his judgment upon you. You guys can put your hands down. I want this to be a sobering morning. I'm carrying a lot of weight I hope you feel a lot of weight right now, but the reality is, is that the time, the clock is ticking and Christ is coming back. And when he does, it will be with fire and angels and with vengeance. Time is ticking. One 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, four 1,000, five 1,000, Another 10 people are face-to-face with God right now who weren't just a few moments ago. Your second is coming. By the time this sermon is over, 3,500 people worldwide will have died. 3,500 people who were alive when I started the message who won't be when I'm done. By the end of the day, nearly 170,000 people worldwide will come face-to-face with their creator and their judge, and they will all face justice because the truth is that justice is coming for us all. Either when Christ returns or when we go to stand before God, justice is coming for the godly and the ungodly. So let me just tell you something about what I believe. I don't believe that in a trillion, trillion, trillion years that the universe will expire. If you believe that, then you also have to realize that in your worldview, in the end, nothing truly matters. There's no right and wrong side of history. There's just history coming to a close into a moment where none of us and none of our memories are left. But I don't believe that. I believe there is more to life than that. I believe there's more to our existence than that. I believe that you have real meaning. I believe that you have real purpose. You're not just an animal that evolved that will die and be washed away at the close of the universe. I believe that all of this actually means something and it's leading somewhere and it's going to culminate in the return of Christ. And I want to know, are you prepared for what's to come? Quit messing around with your life. God put you here for a reason. Are you living for him? shining his light and his glory, or are you just giving yourself to the ways of the world? I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to play that game, 
A point will come and you will no longer play that game and they will reject you. And they will cast you aside, but only Christ claims us as his own forever. This brings us to the last point as we talk about the culmination of all things. Verse 10 says, When Jesus Christ comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who believe, we are his saints, those who believe in him. See, our faith, here's the tension that we have. Our faith, yes, it includes a longing for Christ to return. I long, I want Jesus to return and just put an end to this mess. I can't wait for him to return. But on the flip side, I'll be honest with you, part of me is like, but I got people in my life who don't know him yet, who haven't repented and come to faith in him. So on the one hand, I'm like, Lord, come, come now, come today. But on the other hand, I'm like, but, but can you just wait? I need a little bit more time. Like, that's the tension we all should be feeling, that on the one hand, yes, we long for his return, but on the other hand, we're desperate for every moment we have to be able to share his gospel. Because when he comes, he will make all things right. Right now, you hear the sound of a siren. Whoever's driving that vehicle is going to try to make something right. The siren, the horn, is about to blast from heaven. And Christ is going to come. And he will come to make all things right. And when he does, it will be made right. It will be made just. Those who go to heaven do so because of what Christ has done in their lives. But those who go to hell, as painful and hard as it may be to hear, it is right for them to be in hell. No injustice is happening when people suffer for their sins. Yeah, something was outside. When he comes, he will make all things right because he will bring justice. Reminds me of that Willie Nelson song. You know that Willie Nelson song, Come On Back, Jesus? Let me read it to you. Read the chorus. It says, The world's gone crazy, and it seems to get worse every day. So come on back, Jesus, and pick up John Wayne on the way. Here's the reality. Jesus don't need John Wayne to set things right. He will do it by his own might and his own power by himself. Church, I want you to stop and think for a moment. Think about all the brokenness in this world, mass shootings, disease, confused people, a culture. I mean, we are a culture that actually celebrates pride. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like being around a bunch of prideful people. Since when did that become a virtue? Like, this world is broken and we are right to call out for justice. The problem is, is the culture cries out for justice and they don't know what they're asking for. Because it will certainly come. And when the righteous king comes and brings with him justice, they will be weeping and mourning on that day. But for those who are in Christ, we will marvel at his glory. Because the justice that he brings for those of us who are in Christ, it will be an end to our suffering. But for those who are not in Christ, it will be the beginning of their suffering. Justice is coming. For the ungodly, it will be terrifying as they are cast away from the presence of God. And since they didn't want God in this life, God says he will give them what they want. If they didn't want him now, they won't have him then. 
and he will cast them away from his presence into eternal punishments as they are removed from his presence. It's not at the entropic death of the universe, but at the culmination of all things that justice will come. You can either have justice now, being justified through faith in Jesus, or you can have justice when he comes or when you stand before him as you have to pay for your own sins, and it will literally take an eternity for that to happen. Justice is coming. And we who believe, we know that this means that all will be made right. But I still don't think that we understand the gravity of this. Who knows who Cain Velasquez is? that name ring a bell to anybody? So Cain Velasquez is a retired former MMA fighter. Tough guy. He is sitting in jail right now awaiting trial for attempted murder. Now, what happened was, and I'll keep this G-rated because I know there's kids in here. Velasquez found out that his, four-year, that his own four-year-old daughter was being hurt by an adult man. And so what he did was he loaded up his gun and he went to the house of this man to kill him. And what happened was an 11-mile high-speed chase uh, ensued. Velasquez rammed his truck into the other vehicle. He fired upon the vehicle that was carrying the man who hurt his daughter. Uh, nobody was killed. The, the driver was hit in the hand with a bullet, but nobody was seriously, uh, no, no life-threatening injur- injuries. Now, the, the man accused of hurting his daughter was arrested because there was enough evidence to do that. But that man is out on bail right now as long as he promises to remain home with a monitoring device and a condition that he stays away from anyone under 14 years old. Velasquez has been denied bail twice. And the reason the judge gave for the second time was because of his, quote, blatant disregard for human life. And because of attempted murder and other gun-related charges, Velasquez is facing 20 years or more in prison. Let me ask you a question. What does justice look like in this case? If you were on that jury, would you put this man away for 20 years? For what many have said is, quote, taking justice into his own hands. Velasquez's own lawyer said that he will be, quote, vindicated, end quote, if, if the jury is made up of people who are, quote, right thinking. When we talk about justice, and the justice that's to come. You need to understand here, like when truly understood, this prophecy should mean something powerful to Velasquez and to his daughter. And even if the man who hurt his daughter is sent to prison, the worst sentencing for this person is yet to come. And it's found in verse 9. To suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Church, of course, we don't want bad things to happen. But when they do, we know that justice is coming. That justice is coming. And these prophecies are not just, listen to me, they're not just feel-good promises. These prophecies are telling us something about the future that should give us comfort in the present. I'm going to go deep here this morning. Like when a woman who is raped 
and gets pregnant because of that rape, and now she has to listen to Christians plead with her to keep the baby, it's because we know that justice is coming. It's because that we know that all things will be made right. That rapist will get his condemnation, and rightfully so. So don't condemn the baby. Make the brave choice of adoption and let another family raise the child. We are the ones who have eternal weight to our words when we say it's going to be all right. In the end, it's going to be all right. It may be hard and painful until then, but in the end, justice is coming and it's going to be all right. Justice is a weighty thing. It's not a slogan we throw on a cardboard and wave around so people will like us so we can be accepted as popular. Here's what we need to hear. Justice in God means nobody gets away with it. If you've been hurt, justice is coming. If you've been wronged, justice is coming. If you've been cheated, justice is coming. And for those who have sinned, like everyone in here, but for those of us who have sinned but have come to faith in Christ, our sins have already faced their justice. That's the punishment that was placed on Jesus when he went to the cross. The cross is the justice that our sins have already been paid for. That God's justice was brought upon our sins when he placed them on Jesus and nailed him to a cross and watched him die. As Pastor Darrell so powerfully put last week, in a real sense, justice has already come. We are justified in Christ, and justified means to be made right, so that when God looks at us, I'm going to give you something that should change your life. Because of what Christ has done, and we place our faith in him, we are justified in him. That means that our sins are paid for, so that when God looks at us, he no longer sees our sins. He sees his sons and daughters that he loves, that he's calling to his own I invite you now, if you have not yet placed your faith in Christ, my friends, let me say something very unpopular. Love is not love. God is love. And in him, love casts out fear. In him is a love beyond comprehension. If you want to know what love is, then come to Christ. The table is open for all who will repent and come to him. Anyone any religion, any persuasion, anything you believe, if you repent and come to Jesus, he will welcome you and call you his own. So don't delay. I will be here after the service. I want to talk with you. If you're ready to repent of the wicked ways of this world and embrace the love that God has for you in Jesus, let today be that day. The time is ticking. Justice is coming. Your second draws ever closer to you. Your time is coming, and whether it's the second coming of Christ or when your second comes and you stand before God, justice will be had. And it's only in Christ can we say, because justice is coming, we know that all things will be made right. Because justice is coming, the justice that Jesus brings, for those who are in him, it will be all right. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?